Welcome everyone to a uh, first of a series of podcasts looking at the challenges of deploying tax determination solutions in Latin America. Uh, we'll be covering a, a few topics over the next coming months, um, but today we're going to spend some time looking at Brazil. Uh, my name is Jim Miyaki. I'm a principal of the tax technology practice based out of London, and I'm joined today by a couple of my colleagues. Um, Elena, do you want to quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you. Elena Reese, I'm based out of Bozeman, Montana. I'm a senior project manager at Ryan and been involved in several Brazil implementations with the team that's on the on the show with us. Great. And we're also joined by Luizy Mazzini. Hi, June. Thanks. Yeah, so Luiz Mazzini, Brazilian myself, so a bunch of experience with Brazil, but not only. VAT all over the world, which makes easier to connect dots when we talk to tax technology people and tax people in Brazil. Uh, I'm with Ryan for over 12 years now, and I'm based in Sao Paulo. Great. Thank you both. Um, so let's take a little pause and uh, just appreciate the complexities of deploying tax determination solutions in Brazil. Um, I guess from a personal perspective, things are not the same once you've done one. Uh, the challenges are numerous um, and um, finding solutions for these things can be um, tricky. Uh, anything yeah. you, you guys want to add uh, to start with before we jump into it? Yeah, I think just from my perspective, it's been some of the most challenging projects of my career. However, looking back, they've also been some of the most fun, right? We've, we've, you know, if you're somebody who likes to problem solve, it's a great, um, they're great projects, even though they do feel challenging in the moment and a little overwhelming. But looking back, you uh, feel a, a large sense of accomplishment. Yeah, I agree on that. And there is also... Uh, we spent so much time together because of the complexities. <laughs> and one of the things that what Brazil's projects helps us a lot is that we know better and better the engines we are, we implement and uh, the, the challenges in Brazil. So whenever we talk to clients, it's very difficult, I would say, almost impossible to listen to a requirement for the first time because we've seen it even in Brazil or either other regions. So we we have a good uh, understanding on what the what Brazil complexity is and also what the the engines or the tools the the solutions we are delivering can do for us okay um let's try and break this down for everybody um it's very easy to say Brazil is very complex and just draw the line there um let's look at some of the things that companies need to think about so let's start with master data um What's different about master data for Brazil? Uh, who wants to go first? I can start. I mean, you, you you hear it everywhere around the world. Master data is so important. But why is it even more important for Brazil is because of the, the granularity of taxation, especially for goods, right? So where are the goods coming from? Not just, you know, within the country or out of the country, We've got the material origin requirements and same products with different origin from different vendors. So your material masters can just get out of control. And if you're not advocating for that upfront with 
the Brazil team, you know, a global decision may have been made previously. And now you're so far down the project and you, you don't have the right level of granularity for the things you're purchasing and selling. So, um, you know, getting in up front is probably one of the bigger challenges we have. Uh, or people listening to us, right? That the you know, even though people know the complexity, but the granularity that involves with it, that you have to think about at the global level, actually has been one of our challenges. Can, can we just drill down a little bit into that material origin piece, Louise? Maybe uh, we can handle sure. some. What yep. what what does material origin do to the tax calculation? So it depends on the level of taxation. So we, if you're thinking about state level, which is mainly ICMS, it will uh, bring different rates based on the, the material origin, whether it's a national or imported. And if you think about federal level, we have benefits on IPI level or sometimes in physical things that are based on the, on, on the origin of the, of the goods as well. Meaning if it's imported, we'll have a different classification or a different tax uh, burden than whether it's national. And not only that, because Brazil, it's beautiful enough. So we have eight different material origins. It's not only imported and, and national. So there is a, a range of material origins there. There is very, very tricky to keep the master data uh, in place for, for, for Brazil. So that's a very key uh, point of the project. And also that, not only that, right? Because for Brazil, we care not only about the, the origin, but also the usage. So whether we are purchasing something for consumption, it's gonna have a different tax treatment than if you're purchasing for industrialization, for example. So all of this has to be taken into account when we're implementing in Brazil and having master data reflecting that is always a challenge. Yeah, and on top of that, right? So depend. we'll get into the gross versus net later, but if you have the wrong material origin and one tax is wrong on the, and you're calculating from net, all taxes are wrong, right? So yeah. it's not as simple as, oh, only one thing is wrong. Now you've messed <laughs> up the whole calculation. Yeah. So. And, and just moving from material master, we also have very complexities around the vendors or the buyers master data. So if you have, for example, a vendor under a simple uh, re tax regime, we have different tax being charged by the vendor for the same NCM. If you have a different regimes or a, a presum, a lucro presumido, as we call in Portuguese. So there is a lot going on that we need to make sure that we, we reflect those uh, scenarios when configuring a tax engine for Brazil. Let's go back to the material master, because I think one thing I do like about Brazil is how materials, um, goods and services are defined. It's very clear what you're buying as long as it's in the system, right? So tax rates are defined by the NCM code or um, what's the service code again, Louise? Tax tariff code, service code, depending on the nomenclature. So I think that's one nice piece about Brazil that is everything is defined from a classification perspective but that's assuming that it's all in the system, um, which is not always the case. <laughs> right. Yeah, and echoing back what Elena said, it's it's very it's a very different implementation. Uh, Brazil implementation is very different from everywhere else. So sometimes it's difficult when we are dealing with a global team 
to to make everyone understand the requirements and the impact on it we we heard several times that that's not relevant for other regions so why doing it so our role here is there in a implementation our role is also to make sure that we have all the requirements and all the master data in place and believe us we have fought this battle a lot and we're probably going to be fighting again in the future right and the impact right isn't necessarily known the dollar impact doesn't right if we don't do this at the global level, the impact at Brazil, right, when it comes time to compliance can be very large, even if you're, the amount of invoicing or purchasing you have is relatively small, right? The cost over time can be very large. Mm -hmm. So having that in mind, one of our devices when doing a global project, it's think about the hard ones first, what Brazil requires when you're designing your system just to make sure that you have everything in place so you don't need to add more later on because believe us, you're gonna need to add more if you're doing a Brazil implementation. So have that in mind so we, we have a proper design and save everyone time in the future. Well, I guess that sort of brings us back to the importance of requirements gathering. I mean, requirements gathering is important regardless of what country you're in, but a country as complex as Brazil it's really important that the requirements are clear up front to the extent that they can be. Um, are, are there anything that, you know, clients and companies looking to deploy in Brazil need to specifically think about around requirements gathering? Yes, they do. And that's one of the benefits of working and knowing Brazil that much. So when we go and ask the questions, sometimes we get as basic as you need to include ISMS on the P's and COFINS calculation basis or now depending on the calculation uh, formula you're using these days because a lot has changed. But that's one of the benefits, right? We know already for from previous projects what needs to be done so we can ask the right questions and yeah requirements are key and i'm probably guilty uh, of saying that because I, I started my career at ryan doing requirements so i just love it i'm a passionate about it because it's so interesting how how much you can address just by having the correct requirements and how how this is not very uh of uh appreciated by all the companies and sometimes if people leave this to the end to the very end so we, we discover a huge gap that needs to be addressed and don't get me wrong probably brazil will have a lot of gaps because not every tool can do all the solution can do uh, what brazil needs to be done but the earlier we figure that out the better we can build our solution yeah and on top of that right so with brazil it's not just hey what is the taxation right it's what columns of the nota fiscal are we filling out with these taxes so you know no tax can still end up in different columns and so just getting that up front we can help build a solution that's more robust than going down to the single what's my vendor what's my material right and just getting really granular on the tax we can look at it from the whole um, you know step back and look at it from the whole yeah and just going back to the to the requirements on on reporting so it's not only charging the correct tax it's just making sure that you are submitting the correct uh files to the tax authorities and in brazil as probably everyone is a, a, a aware of this now we have everything it's not a fiscal is pre-approved 
the, for goods, the, not a fiscal or invoice, as we call. Everyone doing a Brazil project will learn the words not a fiscal because that's what Brazilians say all the time. That's the word for invoice. So it's not only getting this pre-approved by, by the tax authority, which is already, already a, a very a demanding thing because if you don't have the correct master data or configuration, we cannot make a supply. So that's key for companies getting everything straight from the beginning. But also once it's approved and it's sold to the client, you need to make sure that you report this correctly. Otherwise the fines will be very relevant for your business as well. So we need, need to make sure that we're not only paying correct, charging the correct tax, but also reporting it correctly as Elena was mentioning uh, addressing the right tax column, the tax law, which is a, a very other uh, point of, uh, of uh, fights for, for Brazil as well, because tax law is also known as CST, Código da Situação Tributária. It's something that we need to care about when doing uh, projects in Brazil, because we, we need to match the tax decision, the taxability with this tax law configuration and it's, it's and it can be very challenging as well. Well let's quickly just go back one step on the note of the skull because it's not just the sales invoice, right? It, it has to accompany any movement of goods. So if you True. move a product from one factory to another, you still have to issue a, an invoice, right? So um, it's quite extensive. I think most people have now sort of had some experience of e-invoicing around the world, but in Brazil, you know, you need a document to go with your goods, otherwise those goods can't leave the factory. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've had our fair share of trucks have stopped, there's a defect, mm -hmm. you need to fix it before the product can move. So um, yeah. that's probably another thing to think about, right? And also the challenge that when you're moving goods around, you can have one of the taxes, but not all of them, because we know that Brazil, we have, we have, we're so generous as a country that we have five indirect taxes that can apply to a, to a transaction. So depending on whether goods or services. So then because of that, we, sometimes the, the tax treatment is different from ISMS, from IPI, P's and COFINS. And if you're talking about services, P's and Cofins and, and ISS. So yeah, there's a lot to cover, but it's exciting for sure. <laughs> um, Elena, we very briefly touched on gross net versus net earlier. Should yeah. we unpack that a little? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Louise is gonna be way better at explaining this to everybody. But when you look at the note of fiscal, when you see that invoice, you see it stated at gross. But taxes ultimately need to come back from the net value, right? So the product cost without the taxes. So there's generally a big decision within the implementation. How are we going to handle this net versus gross? Because when we're buying, we receive that invoice at gross, but we ultimately need to know the original cost of that product from most systems to be able to post correctly um, the taxes separately from the goods. So um, it can be a challenge on how you how you want to decide to do that. On the sales side, we generally just go from net and then we end up printing the error. Then the note of fiscal comes out as gross, but the purchasing side is a much bigger challenge and a big decision on how you're going to handle it. And one point that is 
sometimes difficult for the tax people to understand is that e either if the, your taxes are non-recoverable because of the, the, the way the ERP systems are built, as Elena was explaining, we still need to calculate from that. It's something that is very disputable when you're discussing with the tax teams or, or in Brazil. So we, it doesn't really matter if you are recovering or not the tax, we still need to calculate it from the from the net and to add the taxes and then post it as non-recoverable if that's the case. So it's it can bring some complexities on how to train. And again, implementing a new ERP system or even a tax engine, there is a change on the procedures or in the process in the companies as well. And that's one of the things that we need to work really close to the, the P2P teams and the purchasers to make sure that they understand how they will enter price in the new system or when using a new tax engine, how, whether this will make a change in their process or not. So we have the experience. Usually when we, we do a project in Brazil, we know all the teams so much, so well that sometimes <laughs> <laughs> we know we, we can spend Christmas together with everyone because we, we talk to them a lot. We discuss about taxes and everything else that comes along with it so we are we need to understand that process to make sure that it's they understand the impact and they change to adapt to the new tax engine being yeah i mean we could spend a whole hour talking about um just like purchase orders right or uh, procurement requests right is it done locally or globally that has a huge impact especially for brazil if the team doing the procurement isn't local and doesn't understand those kind of concepts plus the material origin and the you know the products being bought we we can we can start the process of purchasing incorrectly up front and then we're never going to get it right so i i don't think we wanted to go down the procure you know the procurement um well, hole but maybe for another podcast yeah we <laughs> just, <laughs> i'm making but, a note ideas for next one <laughs> um Maybe we could take a little step back because not everybody knows about the complexities of calculating tax in Brazil. So maybe this is one for you, Louise. You know, for most countries, it's one rate uh, that you can take out of the gross value. Um, there's a bit of a formula involved, right, for Brazilian calculation in terms of getting back to that net amount or getting to the gross amount. Yeah. Do you want to quickly touch on, you know, how complex it could be for Brazil? Sure, sure. So everyone dealing with Brazilian projects probably will need an Excel to get at the, at the first stage to understand how things are, are done. But pretty much the way it works is that one tax is part of the other. Uh, that has changed recently, and we have a decision that might change everything for peas and coffins again. But that's the beauty of Brazil. It's changing all the time. So if you ask me tomorrow, can be a different... <laughs> question than from today but the, but by having a tax engine we have the flexibility to change things faster if you are just using a, a native system so it's very flexible or more flexible i would say than using other solutions so the way it works that when you have a net amount you add up not only the isms uh, rate so we let's let's go back and think about the purchase of goods for example so we would uh, would have isms peas and coffins and possibly ipi if the vendor is a manufacturer so in this case 
if you purchase and then again Brazil, right? So depending on the use, your your the material usage of, of these uh, of the goods being purchased. So if you're purchasing for industrialization, we care about the piece coffins and ISMS rates. So those rates will be added together to the to the total price. So rather than have the effective rate is actually higher than than the rate itself. So most of the the states will charge something from 17 to 21% of ISMS and the effective rate can be higher than that will be higher than that because of the of the the gross up as we call it in Brazil. And then if you're purchasing the same goods for for as an asset or for consumption then you also need to include the IPI portion of it to the ISMS calculation base. So I, I need uh, a, a clean board and <laughs> more more space to discuss this. It probably will take a full hour to dis to discuss all the possibilities. And we've seen clients doing different calculations and whether peas and coffins uh, calculation base will have ISMS or not, which I mentioned before. We have the Supreme Court ruling saying that it shouldn't. So ISMS should be excluded from peas and coffins, and we have an, a new medida provisoria, which is a, a temporary law that will be confirmed, hopefully in the, in the next few weeks, where we confirm that all the clients should be doing this. So excluding ISMS from the peas and coffins. So we are always uh, looking at uh, the, the tax chains in Brazil very closely because we have clients in production, and it's not only once or twice where we actually tell the clients that there is a change because we know first because we've seen the change in the in the in the tax engine so it's it's very interesting to be we, we work really close to the, the tax teams in brazil and it's so i i just want to bring this back around right so we're talking about the importance of master data so things that you've just talked about your material origin your material usage your material can affect those calculations but also your vendors and your customers and it can change from I mean, we're not saying month to month, but right, it can change. Um, there are exceptions to the exceptions. And so that's where it gets entirely complicated, um, not just beyond the complication of the calculation. Yeah. And, and just going back to that, it's it's funny because we, we always thought in Brazil, there was a, like a myth saying that IPI is stable. So we don't care. <laughs> IPI doesn't change as much probably once every 10 years and we are the rates are are standard it's 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 consolidated so it doesn't change as much and then last year we have this situation when we changed at three to four times going back and forwards depending whether the company was following the decisions from the Receita Federal which the tax authority in Brazil ruling IPI so having an again a tax engine will benefit for for from this rate change because it everything is based on the NCM and the content. So it makes easier to address those changes. Again, not easy, but easier. Uh, and definitely something that the, the, the tax team can handle whether than relying on the IT uh, guys to address it because we know that we have different timelines and priorities between teams so having this decision or this configuration in hands of the tax team it's very powerful especially for brazil with all the changes in place we have this year already a bunch of isms rates changing uh in the next weeks so again it's one of those opportunities where we we know that having a tax engine 
makes a lot of difference for the companies and for the tax, tax team, I would say. Things will, 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 go, will be okay at the end, but it's just a decision where people are going to be sleeping a quiet night or just working 24 hours to, to address the changes that are necessary. Okay, great. Um, I mean, do we also want to talk a little bit about withholding as well? Because I think in a lot of other countries, withholding tax is something that, you know, gets written out as like out of scope. It will do it manually, etc. Um, I don't think you can do that necessarily in Latin America, right? And in, in Brazil, indirect tax or withholding tax generally go hand in hand. So is that something that we also need to make sure is properly scoped out? Absolutely. I mean, just for one example, on the purchase of service, you have to calculate ISS all the time. But who's going to pay it? Do I do I retain it and pay it to the government, or do I pay it to the vendor and they pay it to the government? That's an important decision, I and mean, you can't just calculate the tax and then be done with it, right? You have to decide: do I withhold it or do I pay it to the vendor? So, yeah. I mean. Probably a whole nother discussion on that, but definitely can't. Not, not, not and and also, it. and also because of ISS is a, a city level tax. We yeah. have over five thousand cities in Brazil, big country. So, mm -hmm. because of that, we it will depend by the the type of service where it's supposed to be paid, which which uh, city is responsible for charging the the tax. So it's very important to, to make sure that we address it correctly on the ISS side as well. But ISS is just one of many, I mean, there's more withholding taxes, aren't there, than indirect taxes? Yeah, yeah. So we have CSL, IR, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of INSS, so there's a bunch of, of different withholding taxes that needs to be. And there is also this discussion when it's supposed to be withheld, whether it's a, a, the, when you receive the invoice at the payment date, so all uh, of these different, complexity. different types of taxes yeah, as well. Of so. course. <laughs> Never a boring day with the Brazilian taxes. <laughs> I, I feel like we've just been listing out a laundry list of complexities and challenges. Um, I mean, we've also had, I guess, a bit of fun building out solutions for some of these problems. Um, Elena, do you want to cover any of those? Um, I don't know if I would say that the vendor invoice processing is fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's one of the more challenging one. Like I'll just, you know, briefly cover it. Um, we have, when you receive a vendor invoice, that invoice has been approved by the government and it may be correct in terms of the CST matches, the taxes, the rates and all those things, but it, may not be correct for your business, right? What if you are a simple consumer and they didn't have that in their master data? What do you do? You have to make a decision. And am I just going to pay the vendor invoice as is, or am I going to go back to the vendor? Those kind of decisions. So we've definitely had some challenges on how we solution for that. We've had um, companies that have a threshold where they'll just pay the invoice or, they, or they'll hold it. The, I think the hardest is the pay the vendor invoice as a source of truth and just not worry about trying to update the system um, to get it correctly. Uh, probably could go into a very long discussion on that. Um, we've, we've, we've definitely built some creative solutions for the client that I have been successful. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. I don't want to go. I don't know much. Don't need to go into much more detail on that without just spending hours on the solution. Okay. Um, anything on your side, Louise, to add to that? It's always a not always, but most of the time a master data issue as well. So just echoing what Elena was saying. So if you receive an invoice with a given NCM and a, uh, we from all those chains we have in the past uh, in the past year with IPI rate, we can have a different IPI rate being charged by the vendor because they, they didn't know the correct rate or they applied the incorrect rate. So should we use it or should we decide? So there is always a, a decision that needs to be made and we can address, we have experience addressing all of them. So if the decision is to, to keep uh, the values uh, charged by the vendor, we can do it. If you wanna um, override it by something different, we can do it as well. So we, we, we definitely can help uh, discussing your options and seeing what, what's your preference and applying it. Yeah, I think our, you know, when you, if you work with us, we have Louise's from Brazil and really understands those taxes. And I'm a little more system oriented and we kind of bounce ideas off each other. And then we have June who kind of just keeps us all together. And somehow we come up with some pretty neat solutions to everything. Um, yeah. And that's where we have the fun doing it as a, as a team. Um, even though it's challenging, we find something, we find some fun with it. And it is kind of neat to look at these systems, at least from my perspective, because I really like systems and data, but to come up with these solutions that work and still utilize the systems as they're meant to be, right? We're not hack, we're not necessarily totally hacking things to be outside of the realm of what the systems can give you. Yeah, I think... Um... Well, we probably need a few more podcasts to delve into some of these sort of bigger topics, right? I mean, it's a bit hard to try and do it all in one go. Uh, it would probably take us more than a day to do everything in one go. But anyway, so as I said at the start of this session, um, this is going to be a series of podcasts. We'll be doing some more in Brazil. I think, Luisa, you're planning to do some in Portuguese as well with some of our local partners. Um, we'll also be covering another country in Latin America, which is often overlooked, Argentina. So I think, Elena, we're going to cover that. And again, withholding tax and indirect tax are inextricably interlinked there. And then you've got all the provincial taxes and gross receipts tax and everything else there. So uh, lots more challenges in region. And um, there are probably others as well that we'll probably cover. Um, Okay, so I think we'll wrap it up for today. Um, if anybody that's listening has any questions uh, of any of us today, uh, please use the contact information on the landing page on the podcast. Um, and all that leaves me today is really thank uh, Elena and Louise for their time and their insights. So thank you both. Yeah, anytime. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you, everybody.